into the, um, the Beatitudes before we got to this. And when you think about the Beatitudes, they are so countercultural that when people are actually living them out, we don't believe them. You know, it is, it is, it is crazy how that has happened. I was a chaplain in a hospital and when I was in college, and they, I would go visit rooms, and I would, the, normally the, the Christian folks would want the Christian uh, uh, chaplain to come by, and he's like, oh, this guy's got a horrible, out, you know, like, he's been diagnosed with some serious stuff, and I go in there, how you doing? He goes, I'm blessed. Blessed is my first response. You're like, come on, man, be real with me. Just tell me how, you don't have to give me the church answer. I, it's so countercultural. As a believer, we don't believe it when people, you know, you're, you know you're, someone's going through something and it's hard to you, it'd be impossible. Um, but they are thinking, man, I'm blessed. The Lord's been just moving in my heart. And I was like, well, come on, man, this guy's. Marcellus, tell me how you really feel. It's so countercultural, right? And in, in America, we say statements like, God bless America. And then we think, not these type of blessings that Jesus is talking about here, are we not? When we say we're blessed in the city, we ain't singing about these type of blessings, are we? Uh, for impact, we used to have to just call people up because we had to raise funds for the ministry. And I'd be like, how you doing, uh, Brother Costin? He'd be like, I'm blessed and highly favored. And uh, Minister Mike, and uh, this type of blessing... Probably not. It's not what we're talking about, right? Jesus lays out some incredibly like difficult things um, here. And, and when I come to Scripture, I like to think that I'm there. I don't know if you do this. Like I'm not going to be bold enough to say I'd be one of the disciples, but I'm maybe like the person that Peter says, come on, just come with me, be quiet, keep your head down, don't say nothing, don't embarrass me, but you can be right here, okay? So around the, the, that, that circle, instead of the 12 people, there's 13. I'm just like in like this, you know? And so Jesus, or maybe if that's too hard to believe, think about like in these NCAA tournaments, they have them drone cameras I felt like in the game last night for the Purdue game, I'm in the huddle, and he's drawing out the play for me, right? Um, it's just so, like, this is a holy huddle, and Jesus says this. And imagine you're there, and he says, blessed are the poor. I'm like, he's talking to y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't supposed to be here. I wasn't supposed to be here. Blessed are the poor. Then he goes, blessed are those who mourn. Definitely, though, y'all are those, and ain't me. Right? He goes, blessed are the gentle. Gentle? That ain't me. That's y'all. I'm glad. I'm just here listening. I'm just... Peter said, be quiet. Don't say nothing. Keep your head down. That's what's happening right here. He goes... Then he goes, blessed are, the, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they were filled. I think I want that. So, oh, that's, that's probably for me. He goes, blessed are the merciful. Merciful? No, no, that ain't me. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, I am for sure that. So, I probably... I'm supposed to, he's talking to me right here. Then he goes, blessed are the peacemakers. And when we, and some of us, we think peacemakers, we think we're carrying a peacemaker, right, with us or, or something like that. This is not what he's talking about. So right back there. Then he goes, blessed are those who per, are persecuted for righteousness because of the kingdom of heaven is there. 
and then he makes it real personal. So before, I bet you they could all deflect. He's saying those. And then he looks and says, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Mike. Marcellus, but Mike. Uh, blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So basically, Jesus is saying, this is going to happen. If it ain't happening in your life, that should be a question for you of how you are walking with the Lord. If everybody's like high-fiving you, giving you daps, you know, it shouldn't be Mike's just one of the guys. You know? Have you ever had that statement? Man, he's just one of the guys. She's just one of the girls. Just, just like us all. No, there should be a distinction in how we live, you know, than the rest of the world, people that don't know Christ, right? So just imagine you're there because this, I read this in a commentary as I was preparing. It says, our values are always expressed in our actions. You know, what you value will be shown up in how you act. Kristen, uh, y'all also set me up by having her come up here before it was time to preach, and she just always, please, this material coming out is big time. Um, but uh, when we would get, when we first got married, I like to work out. So I will schedule the day around, I had to get up at 3.30 to go to the gym. Mike, you had to go at 3.30 to go to the gym, right? But I can't get up to get on time for something she wants, right? Anybody else had a situation like that? Am I the only one? Of like, this is your, you value something, it leads to some actions, and then you get to a place where you got to start acting like you don't value it, so that then it's not compared to, you know, I already told her Auburn plays at 220 today, I've got, I'm going to watch the game, sorry Pastor Costin, they, they beat your team so bad the other night, uh, but... I only talk trash after the fact because, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, our values always are always expressed in our actions. So my question to you is, what do your actions show about what you value? And Jesus is calling us to value things that oftentimes the world does not value. In fact, they don't value. And it should lead to a different type of life, lifestyle. And so today, what do I want you to know? This my, I always ask five questions uh, about when I'm preparing, and what do I want you to know? I want you to know this. When you are salt and light, it will always lead people to what's right. All right? I don't, normally don't rhyme. This time I did. Uh, so I'm going to say it another time. Uh, when you are salt and light, it leads people to what's right. So we've got to be salt and light in this world. God has called us to do that. And as we dive into scripture, uh, I think we have to take note. When Jesus says you are something, that is pretty important. So many, so many of us are impacted. If you're like me, when you were growing up, you had all kinds of things said, or, or still do have all kinds of things said about you, like you are this. You, I, I think I told the story. My dad offered my brother like a free, a new car if he got a free ride to college academically. I go, why wasn't I given that option? He goes, it was never an option for you, Mike. 
uh, academically. I'm like, thanks, you weren't the smartest person on the book, right? So, but some of us have been told, Mike, you know, you're trash, you're not worth anything, you're ugly, you're dumb, you're hard to love, you're a criminal, you're just going on and on. It could be positive. You're incredible, you're so talented, you're blessed. And you might should be thinking, which type of blessed? But uh, you are blessed, you're so blessed. These words are spoken, and they're very important, and they affect us, but it, we have to look like who said them, right? If, if a family member or someone close to us, a father or a mom or, or whomever says something, it's going to have a bigger impact on us than just the random guy, you know? And so it should be of a significance, huge significance, that Jesus is saying these words about us, right? And, and man, it is incredible how I overlook what he says about me so often. I don't know if that's, that's you. And he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. This is the same Jesus that speaks things into existence. Is saying, Mike, he's saying you, fill in your blank. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth. Meaning he's... You are part of God's plan for redeeming this world. All right. Salt has a lot of uses. But two of the main ones are this. Salt is a preservative. A.K.A. it keeps things from going bad. Right? And that's what you are. Like, in this culture that we live in, we think preservatives are bad. My Pop-Tart that I ate this morning says expires 2030. Probably is not a good thing, right? But that preservative is not good. But this is a preservative that is good for you, for the world. The problem is this, that... The world is totally corrupt. We are totally corrupt before Christ in our lives. The, the level of the things that we can do bad has no limit. It gets worse and worse and worse. And we are supposed to be in proximity to people that don't know Christ so that we can help preserve and it, the, the world don't, it doesn't really go where it would go. You see what I'm saying? If you look at Romans 1, you don't have to turn there, I will, for you. It, it describes a world in which things, people are just, it's so corrupt. It says in verse 125, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served something created instead of the creator who is blessed forever. You know, Romans 1.32 says, Although they know full well God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they even applaud the others who practice them. You know, even knowing you're going to die, I'm still going to do it. And I think about that so often in my own life. There are so many things I know. I'm a diabetic, and I choose to do things that I know is going to have a consequence that, you know, them five-guy fries I talked about before are so good, I don't need to eat a large, right? Still do. Can't help myself. 
I need some preservative around me, some people to save me, right? My wife. I haven't eaten there in a while. I haven't eaten there in a while. We'd be driving in the car and we're talking, discussing, you know that discussion you have about where to eat? And I just know, I just throw out five guys just to see what the response is. And it's never good. Right? Um, and if you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, it was destroyed because no one was living there righteous. Not because of all the horrible things. That's expected. The horrible things that are going to happen are going to happen. And when we as Christians don't engage with the world in that way, the world is left to its own doom in many ways. And God wants us to get up and close and personal in the grill of the world. Wherever you are, I want you to think about, I'm supposed to be salt here, right? Whether that's at your job, whether that's in your, in your own house, within, wherever, where, that family reunion you're going to and you know some craziness is going to happen. You know, whether it's the skating ring, whether it's the mall, what, whatever it is, you know, right, that things, you're supposed to be there. God has selected you to be in this place, to be a preservative, uh, to keep it from going totally crazy, right? And it, that's what's so odd is like, as much as the world wants to push the church out, apart from Christ, the world is totally at odds and is going to be just destroyed, right? We need to fulfill our role as salt and be a preservative. Salt also has another thing that is very important. It creates thirst, you know? Another thing that Kristen learned when we first got married, I had some bad habits. I still have some bad habits. Was When we would go to the movies, I would get a huge tub of popcorn, I will, you know, salt, butter, butter, three-layered, everything. And she would probably think, Mike, are you getting that for us? No. I got a bowl, a, a tub, thinking I was going to eat a tub. You know what I'm saying? But because of all that salt, it created a huge thirst, did it not? Just like the five guys for a big bag, bigger drink right? Creates a thirst. My family, we used to go to this beach, Ocean Isle in North Carolina, and my dad was famous for picking the kind of close to the good place to be, but not the good place to be. Like all the action was at Myrtle Beach, and we were going to Ocean Isle, and it had like no hotel, like, uh, no boardwalk, no nothing. But as soon as I walked out on that sand, I would get thirsty as there's salt flying through the air. You know, it's supposed to create thirst. And when we're walking out our faith, living this countercultural life, it's going to, people are already thirsty, but it's going to cause an, an urgent thirst in which they got to get this quenched as quickly as possible, right? And then guess what? You're there to share with them what the ultimate thirst quencher is. It's not some drink that you drink that has good advertising. It is Jesus Christ, who says in John 4, uh, 13 through 14, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never thirst again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him 
will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. And this happens as we're living out this countercultural lifestyle when people are seeing me mourn, but yet having a positive attitude and considering it a good thing, you know, uh, as best I can. When they see us going through these things and standing out, they're like, why? This creates something in them that they want. And you have. The next thing it does is says, you are the light of the world, right? And when I first read that, I thought, well, Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. He also says in John that he is the light of the world. So how are the two both true? Well, how they're both true is that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he comes into your life, and then that light, you are the light of the world as you follow him and live it out. And light is meant to be seen. Have you thought about that? Light is meant to be seen, um, not to be hidden. Some of us are going around wanting the spotlight. I go around wanting the spotlight. But really, that I shouldn't want the world's spotlight. I shouldn't want the light of men shining on me. I want the light of Christ shining through me out. It's a much brighter light. Many of us live like that fame. I think it was Terrell Owens that he scored the touchdown and he ran in the middle of the star and he put his hands out and did this whole number, right? We, if we're honest, many of us try to live that way. We like, shine your light on, you know, like, I want it on me. But you, you have a much brighter light that gives life shining out of you. Think about that. You know, that we were just down in Atlanta for the uh, Legacy Conference, and the speaker, the first speaker, and I was like, man, he's starting out with this heavy hitter? He said, he goes, does the gospel stop with you, or does it go out through you? I was like, that's going to be our first thing he's going to stay right out the gate? You know, like, does the gospel stop with you, or does it... Go out through you. And we're meant to let this light shine out through us and impact. And if you notice, if you go into a, if there's a dark room, you open the door, the light always goes in. It's some weird movie when the light, the darkness comes out, right? It's a, the light always comes in. But think about this, though the world is really living in a place where they can't see nothing. And they're going to be drawn to whatever is light, you know? And so that's why it says the devil comes disguised as the angel of light, right? Trying to draw people, hey, look at this, come over here. And the problem is he's, he is more active than we are so often, you know? So we need to get in We need to be like salt, get in there. We need to be letting that light shine, 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 shine. So you are salt, you are light. Now, what do you need to do is the next question. So I want you to think about this. Salt really is an, it works on the internal. It has to be close, whatever it comes in contact with, and light operates on the external, and it reaches out into the, into the darkness. Uh, and I think us as Christians need to stop being afraid of being Christians. You know? We want to be brave in so many things, but not our faith. Right? 
So we've got to stop being afraid of being Christians. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. That's what I want. Power, love, and sound judgment. Not walking around fearful all the time. I coached football in high school, and, uh, and I, well, I walk around the high school, and I have to admit that sometimes I'm fearful uh, of what I'm going to say. People will come up to me and be like, hey, Mike, what is young life? What do you do? I'm like, well, we're a mentoring program that works with God. That's, that's when I'm giving the, the passive answer. Uh, or... You know, we're a mentoring program that, that focuses on Christ and walking along and discipling kids and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm like, i got to weigh which will be accepted in the environment that I'm in. You know, at Pike High School, will they, will they be okay with me saying that? I don't mean I don't walk around with my Bible say, repent, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> Even though that's the type of way I should in some ways on the inside, the message that I'm bringing but we can't be afraid when we're at school, when we're at work. You know, we can't be afraid to be who we, God has made us. Right? People are actually better when you're walking like you're supposed to walk. Versus choosing to shy away. You know, they come to you. They see you live, work, work, you know, live a little differently. Maybe I should go talk to, to Brother Charles and then... Uh, he kind of gives me a wish-washy answer. Uh, that doesn't work out very well, you know? The world is looking. How do we, how do we respond to injustice? You know, uh, there's so much injustice happening today, and we just, we just, that's a political thing. That's something that someone else has got to answer. That's something that someone else has got to deal with. But Jesus is part of what he says he came to do in teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the gospel, um, and he also says he heals every sickness and disease. And all, a lot of these social these things that keep happening are a sickness and a disease that Jesus speaks into. But the world doesn't think so because we just say it's some other issue. We just say that's not. No, Jesus wouldn't deal with that. No, he does deal with that. You know, we've got to walk it out. People are wanting to see. We have to be different. With football again. Coach Graves would say, Mike, you get to pray because you're the only one that didn't cuss this week. And I'm like, that you heard. You know, that, that, you know, that, that's the, that's, but the point is that you need to live distinctly from the rest, from everybody else. So I pray. We claim to be different, but we look the same. Verse 14 says, but the, if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. And this is crazy to me. I was telling Pastor Costin this week, there are over 15,000 uses for salt. If you're useless as salt, you're doing some work to be useless as salt. People even throw salt just over their shoulder for a purpose, you know, like, or whatever. You are doing some work to be useless as salt. And that makes me think, you might not even be a Christian, you know? And you got to answer that question. Like, if I'm not even useful, and it's useful for everything, 
I might not be who I think I am. And we have to take some inner inspection of like, is Jesus living in my life? Have I accepted him as my Lord and Savior? Do I believe that he died on the cross for my sins? I was the totally corrupt one. Now I have life because of him. If you're not, no longer useful, then I, I question whether you were even a Christian. And, and, and then you might ask, well, then how do I remain salty? Because I, I, for me, I'm like, I read something like that. I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be the one that becomes not salty because I know I'm a Christian. And um, so this is what I would say. Like the last time I preached, I said, you need to remain, live, and be fruitful. Uh, and we have this remaining in the vine. We need to remain, stay as close to Christ as possible, like a stranglehold, like Amari, my daughter, grabbing my leg, and I'm trying to walk. Everybody, every parent's done the walk where you do the stiff leg, you know, or seen the stiff leg, um, like that to Jesus. Amen. And then I will be the type of salt that he can use, the preservative. I can be, you know, the one that it's creating thirst. You know, we have to do this, and we do this by spending time with him. It's amazing. My priority to go to the gym so often is more important than my time to be with the Lord. And I don't know what it is for you, but if it's more important than, than Christ, then it's, it's out of order. Another thing that we heard uh, down there at this conference was uh, an idol is anything that makes an invitation from God an inconvenience. You know, so that was the, the, the second speaker. So it just is like, they just threw my phone in the air and just walked away. It's like, what else, man? You know, like, and I'll say that again. Like an idol is anything that makes an invitation from God an inconvenience. And so for us, we can't have that. We've got to be like, I need to be in a position where, yes, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go there, okay, I'll go there. You want me to go to University of Alabama uh, as an Auburn person? I don't want to, but, Lord, I will go there and, and do whatever you need me to do. It's hard, but that's what he calls us to do. You know, um, as people as light, the... It, we can also choose, the other thing is to hide it. And I want to say this, is like we got to stop looking for the light of men to shine out of us again, but let, instead let the light of Christ shine out of us. Um, Philippians 2, 12 through 16 says this, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but not e now even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is good, for it is God and good, uh, who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly to the message of life. God is working through you. And he is calling you to hold firm to this message. And when you do so, this light will shine, right? Instead of trying to be like a star, 
be a star by allowing Christ to live through you. And I want to close with this by answering this question. Why do we need to do this? When you are salt and light, I'm going to repeat it five more times, it leads people to what's right, and that's Jesus Christ. Right? When you are salt and light, it leads people to Jesus Christ. It preserves, it creates thirst. This light you shine reveals to people your good works, right? Oftentimes I do good works, and I want someone to say, Mike, great job. Right? But this is type of a good work that says, it causes them to say, that is a great work and gives glory to your God and your Father in heaven. And what's significant here is this. Uh, when he's saying your Father in heaven, it's the first time that that is designation has been given to the disciples. You have a Father now in heaven. And it's going to be mentioned, we're going through the Sermon on the, Night, Sermon on the Mount. Here's a little foreshadowing. Fifteen more times, you're going to hear your Father your Father in heaven, your Father in heaven, right? And um, as you're living as salt and light, you get to explain to people how your Father, your Father, can be their Father. And that is what it's about. That's what this is about. Live counterculturally. Be salt and light. Welcome people. Be ready to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, you know? And so I want to ask you, how are you doing at that? I, only you can, I, I challenge you before the games today or whatever you're going to do, before you eat that meal, whatever, as we're leaving, you're in the car talking to your spouse. Like, how are we doing being a salt and light in our own family first as we go, you know, uh, at our job, at our school, um, in the chemistry class if you're in high school, you know, wherever it may be, because as you're being salt and light, you will always be leading people to what's right, and that is Jesus Christ. So let me close this in prayer. Gracious Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time, this opportunity. Uh, Lord, I pray that we will embrace being salt and light to the world. You 